Hello and welcome back. There will be spoilers. My name is Matt Mazzell. And I am Ethan Knight. And this week on AFI's Top 100 list of films, we watched number 65. That's 1952's African Queen. The African Queen starring my girlfriend, Catherine Hepburn. And my girlfriend, Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) So, Ethan, why don't you just start us right off with one of those there plot synopsises. Let's jump into it. The African Queen is the story of Rose Sayer and Charlie Allnut. Rose is a missionary, while Charlie is the captain of a small boat named, you guessed it, the African Queen, and makes his living, it makes his living, delivering, he makes his living delivering mail and supplies. After Rose and her brother learn of the outbreak of World War I, German soldiers raid their missionary village and raise it. Shortly after, Rose's brother dies of a fever. Charlie arrives and offers to take her with him. After Rose learns of a German ship named the, I'm not going to say the German name, I'm going to say it in English, the Queen Louise, that patrols a downriver lake and protects it from British attack, she convinces Charlie to travel down the dangerous, rapid-strewn river and convert the African Queen into a torpedo boat. The gruff Charlie is reluctant but gives in. On their travels down the river, the two avoid German attacks, several sets of rapids, and despite their odd pairing, they grow attached to each other. Charlie is resourceful and well-meaning, if a drunk, while Rose is naively determined. Uh, They finally express their growing feelings for each other, and after celebrating surviving a set of rapids, the two embrace. Another set of rapids damages the propeller, and Charlie is forced to forge a new one, literally forge a new one. Rose helps him reattach it, and they continue on. The two eventually get lost in reeds, and Charlie is forced to pull the boat. He gets out and pulls it. He comes out of the water covered in leeches, and he and Rose begin to give up hope as the boat becomes grounded. Rose prays before she goes to sleep assuming that they're going to die, and a heavy rainfall begins that allows the boat to float out onto the nearby lake. They see the Queen Louise, and they craft their torpedoes from the parts that Charlie has on board. After a brief fight, they go out on the lake together to smash the African Queen into the Queen Louise and blow it up. However, they are met that evening with rough waters and rain, and the African Queen sinks. Charlie and Rose are saved by the Germans, who plan to hang them for their crimes, which is what they think to be spying and espionage and all that sort of shit. Just before they're hanged, though, Charlie asks the German captain to marry them. He does, and shortly after, the Queen Louise accidentally crashes into the capsized African queen and is sunk herself. Charlie and Rose escape, and the film ends as the two swim to freedom in Kenya, or as they say it, Kenya. Ethan, as always, I have a point of clarification that I yeah, need you're gonna you have to, to provide for me. <laughs> When you say that they embrace, you, you mean they have sex, right? Well, I think it's implied that they have sex, but it's very loosely implied. Yeah, it's 1952, so we're not going to see it, but they start calling each other dear. She asks his first name. Oh, scandalous. scandalous. Afterwards. So I really get the impression. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is after, like, she wouldn't let him come in out of the rain initially on her little covered area of the boat. Right out of decency's sake, right? So one thing we should mention, right. though this is on AFI Top 100, it's American film with American actors, everyone's playing a non-American character. Hepburn is yes, British. true. Bogart is Canadian. And so they're all non-Americans because World War One. 
1914, September, in fact. Right. So the war has just started. And in fact, the beginning, when Allnut, which is Bogart's character, says, hey, there's a war on. And they're like, a war? With who? And they're like, England. What? Really? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, right. The 1914. They're not going to know anything in this right. village in some part of Africa. It's filmed in the Congo. I don't really know where they're actually supposed to be in the film itself. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's south somewhere, right? Because it's German Africa. And we know the Germans were yeah. not in the north where the French and the British were. So if I remember my Axis and Allies board games, World War II and World War One, probably <laughs> probably in the south somewhere. Your guess is as good as mine. And then finally, I think they refer to it as the Louisa. I think the German name is translate to like Queen Louise, but I think they refer to it as the Louisa. Yeah, they do. And I I just didn't want to try to, I, you know, with say, with say Catherine, the word Louisa. You didn't want to Louisa, do that, huh? Well, and I, what I was what they were saying. And I mean, listen, let me let me put it this way. I had no fucking clue what Humphrey Bogart's character's name was. For most of the film until I was like, finally, I was like, I have to look up what his name actually is. Because the way Catherine Hepburn talks, I just couldn't understand what she was saying. She's I like, live with subtitles on. Oh, okay. I don't do the subtitles. I, I watch every subtitles. single film now with subtitles for this podcast for that reason exactly. Uh, yeah, so I just Googled it finally. Because I was like, Olna? Alma? What the fuck? Allnut. A-L-L-N-U-T. Allnut. All nut. I don't know why it's so hard. Catherine Hepburn. So when they said Louisa, I was like, I don't fucking know. I looked on, I got, I had to make sure what the ship was called and I read it in German and I was like, nope, I'm just going to use the American version and just say that. <laughs> well, Ethan, why don't we push forward and talk about some of this film's themes? Yes. I think one of the most important themes in this film is this idea that Catherine Hepburn's character embodies which is perseverance she does not let anything stand in her way she decides she gets an idea in her head and she's doing it they're going to turn this tiny ship into a torpedo and she's just like let you do you know what a torpedo is let's make this into a torpedo we're just going to do this and Charlie Allnut is like absolutely not you're out of your mind we're not doing that She's like, it's fine. We're going to do it. She learns how to go down one set of rapids. She's like, I'm going to drive it next time. And he's like, I don't think you understand. No, you're not. You're just not going to do it. And she's like, I'm going to do it. Mind over matter. I'm going to persevere. We're going to do it. We're not going to die. We're going to do this. And she just gets her way by force of sheer will. I think this is probably best illustrated in the scene you just brought up where she decides we're going to make a torpedo boat, which shows an astounding knowledge of warfare that this 1914 British female missionary knows about, which or, is or incredible. Or I think a lack thereof. She's just like, I've heard of what a torpedo is. Can you make one? But it just so happens that he's got all the pieces for it, I guess, then. Right. And he's like, yeah, I guess if you just kind of, if you keep demanding that we make torpedoes, I guess I could probably figure out how to make these into torpedoes. And she's like, smashing Catherine Hepburn. Well, that's really interesting because that's actually a pivotal scene. So why don't we... <laughs> Take a step aside for a moment. Listen to the scene where she decides to make the African Queen, a boat that is not hers, that she just got on, into a kamikaze death machine. So we'll be back in a second. We simply can't remain here in this backwater until the war is over, Mr. Allnut. Can't we, miss? You got the map. Show me a way out and I'll take it. 
The British will certainly launch an attack. The only question is, which way will they come? Well, maybe from the sea up the railway to Limbazi, but that would put the Germans between us and them. Mightn't our soldiers come in from British East, Mr. Allnard? Yeah, they might, but the war in Europe would be over before they ever hacked their way through that forest. Now, we're in a bit of a fix, miss, no matter which way you look at it. There's one thing, certain: they won't come up from the Congo, not even if they wanted to. They've got to cross that lake. And nothing's going to cross that lake while the Louisa's there. The Louisa? What's that? The 100-ton steamer, miss. Oh. The Germans brought her overland in sections. She's the boss of the lake because she's got a six-pounder. A six-pounder? What's that? A gun, miss. The biggest oh. gun in Central Africa. I see. If it wasn't for the Louisa, there wouldn't be nothing to it. The Germans wouldn't last a month if our men could get across the lake. But all that don't get us any closer to home, does it, miss? This river, the Ulanga, runs into the lake, doesn't it, Mr. Allnut? Well, yes, miss, it does. But if you've got any ideas about going down to the lake in this launch, you better get rid of them. Why? Well, first off, there's Shona. The Germans have a fort there overlooking the river. If we tried to pass under their guns, they'd blow us right out of the water. And then after oh. that, miss, there's the rapids. A hundred miles of water, like it was coming out of a fire hose. And after that, why, <laughs> the river's even got a different name. It's called the Bora. I just goes to show you, they didn't even know it was the same river until this fellow Spangler got... He got down it, I remember. Well, yes, miss, in a dugout canoe, he had a half a dozen Swahili paddlers. Map-making he was. That was his map he was looking at. Mr. Allnut. Yes, miss? What did you say is in these boxes with the red lines on them? Well, them? Well, that's blasting gelatin, miss. Is it dangerous? Oh, bless you, no, miss. That's safety stuff, that is. You can get it wet and it don't do it any harm. You set fire to it and it just burns. You can hit it with a hammer and it won't go off. <laughs> At least I don't think it will. It takes a detonator to set it off. I'll put it over the side, though, if it worries you. No, we may want it. Mr. Allnut. Yes, miss? What are these long, round, uh, torpedo-like things? Oh, them? Them's oxygen and hydrogen cylinders, miss. Mr. Allnut. I'm still right here, miss. There ain't much of any other place I could be on a 30-foot boat. <laughs> You're a machinist, aren't you? I mean, wasn't that your position at the mine? Yes, a kind of a fixer, jack of all trades, and master of none, like they say. Could you make a torpedo? How's that, miss? Could you make a torpedo? A torpedo? <laughs> Ask me to make a dreadnought and do it upright, a torpedo, miss. You don't really know what you're asking. You see, there ain't nothing so complicated as the insides of a torpedo. It's got gyroscopes, compressed air chambers, compensating cylinders. But all those things, those gyroscopes and things, they're only to make it go, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, go and hit what it's aimed at. Well, we've got the African Queen. Uh, how's that, miss? If we were to fill those cylinders with that blasting gelatine and then fix them so that they would stick out over the end of the boat and then run the boat against the side of a ship, they would go off, just like a torpedo, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. They're detonators in the we end. We could, what do you call it, get a good head of steam up and then point the launch toward a ship, and just before she hits, we could dive off, couldn't we? <laughs> sure, miss, sure, absolutely. There's, there's only one little thing wrong with your idea. There ain't nothing to torpedo. Oh, yes, there is. There's what? Something to torpedo. What's that? The Louisa. Charlie's character, Mr. Allnut, as she calls him for most of the film, is just like sure whatever the only problem is you don't have anything to torpedo and she's like well we've got the louisa we're taking that out for the efforts of the british empire so yes. i think her character very much is in addition to being stiff upper lip british woman she also has this perseverance of this missionary which has a strange little side note she goes to africa with her brother 
which mirrors almost identically the missionary bit at the end of Jane Eyre, where Sinjin is trying to get Jane to go with him to India because she's a hard worker and she's not attractive. And her brother in his fever says, poor plain Rose. Yeah. Only thing she could do is go to Africa and work hard for God. Right. So this is kind of like a very strange parallel, which I noticed, which I thought was just worth bringing up. That is interesting. And, and I think that's worth pointing out too. Catherine Hepburn in this film is not the Catherine Hepburn. That was my girlfriend. She doesn't, she's not looking so hot. They, they make her up pretty well to look plain and unpleasant. Well, when was bringing up baby? The thirties? Uh, no, I think it's forties. Well, this is 52, so she's certainly older. Yeah, she's a little older. And much more British. (laughs) Yes, considerably more British. But I do think there's a little bit of makeup involved to make her look like that, because she was, oh, Catherine Hepburn and bringing up baby, man. Catherine Hepburn. And this one, I'm kind of like, ooh, Catherine Hepburn. Well, Ethan recomposes himself. (laughs) Maybe I'll say a little bit more about this theme of perseverance. Because these two characters also, like, you talked about how sure she is of herself, but they actually flip-flop a few times. And I actually mm-hmm. one point noted that once they probably have sex, we're just going to say they had sex. Let's say they had sex. Yeah, they Once do. they had sex, Charlie becomes very sure that they can do it, and then she becomes very unsure that she could do it. So they kind of complement each other in that they are moving back and forth between these two polarities a lot. And we even see that at the end when they both decide they're going to go and blow up the... Louisa together and it represents kind of the relationship as that that they very much complement and support one another despite the fights that happen therein which yeah should probably be a review for our podcast (laughs) (laughs) but I'm definitely Catherine Hepburn well I tell you though once we had sex it changed everything it did it was really weird you started making me call you Charlie I don't (laughs) (laughs) No, I insisted on Mr. Allnut <laughs> oh Ethan. no, that's even Ethan. worse. Ethan. Ah! Do you have another theme for us? <laughs> Let me stop crying. I I also that happened really, then too. Oh god, I really just like that this film pulls that odd couple pairing together. Right? I mean, that is a huge sort of I, well, not sort of theme. That is a huge theme going on here. Is that you've got a prim and proper old maid and a basically drunk bachelor who sobers up really quickly throughout the film i'll know he does because let me tell you when you poured out all of my bottles of gin i threw a fucking fit yeah that's right i remember this and it was not pleasant and so he was just kind of like oh thank you for pouring out my gin well he like took this passive aggressive route that he got up and i really couldn't tell he was being passive aggressive until the very end of that scene where he's shaving and he's like, well, I tell you, you really know how to put a man together. You know, it makes you feel better and all this stuff. She's not talking to him. And finally he kind of breaks down and yells at her. And so yeah. at first I was like, wow, he's taking this very well. But I said I, in my notes, I was just taking her damn Bible and throwing it overboard and said, how does it feel? Oh my God. That's exactly what I would have done. I would have thrown that shit out. But it's 1952. You can't transgress like that as you can today, perhaps. Right. True. This is also, I think, we have to think about this as a travel, it's almost a road movie. Yeah, we were we're still on the adventure vein with our Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Yes. I think this is the same idea in that we've got this really moving adventure, literally, because we're going across 
these African rivers to these different locales and seeing exotic animals and, and they filmed in the Congo. So, you know, this is real deal. I think the actor who plays her brother, however, only did his scenes in England for one reason or another. And so um, you could tell when he's poorly green screened onto Africa, but for the most part they're there and it was kind of a horrible experience. I think all of them got sick except for Bogart and the director who said they lived off whiskey. They lived off whiskey, which is the way to live your life. I mean, that's why I never get sick. So Hepburn would do scenes and have to run off stage and puke and puke. Or when she tried to use the outhouse, there was like a mamba in there and had to run to the trees. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was a pretty rough condition. So these people, they were out there, they were doing it. So yeah, in more ways than one, this is very much a journey piece in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah, so Ethan, why don't we move on to our theses for this film? Let's do it. Okay, why don't you start? You want me to start? This one's I do. Pretty, this one's pretty simple. This is a film that suggests that faith, perseverance, and love can conquer all. I actually took a very similar vein, but just excised all the faith and perseverance and just focused on love. I said yeah. love blooms in dire straits, which I thought was a nice little pun with the rivers. And that love, strong as it is, has the ability to accomplish just about anything, including crossing impassable rivers, evading Second Reich Germans, and sinking warships. Yeah. Which, as a side note, I was pretty disappointed in the size of Louisa. I was expecting, like, a dreadnought type Oh, I know. Me too. And it's like a teeny tiny little boat. I mean, they said they had a six-pounder gun on it, which is not very large, but you'd still think... I mean, you still think it'd be a bigger thing for World War I. Yeah, and... I will point this out. I read that the big difference here between the film and the novel, because yet again, this is an adaptation of a novel. Yeah. As, as per the AFI top 100 trend, you got to have it based on a novel. It must be based on a novel in the novel. At the end, they fail and die. And the Brits come in and very easily defeat the ship because it's not really. Do they die? I thought that they, the British definitely destroyed it, but I don't know if they died in it. Oh, maybe I read that into it. I don't know. Well, the difficulty might be is that there are two endings for the book. Oh, there's are there? an American version and a British version. Oh. And in one of the versions, the British do destroy it and they do or do not die as a result. The other version is that the couple, meaning Rose and Charlie, destroy it and then go meet the British and they're honored for their help to the british empire oh in my defense the wikipedia article was poorly written so (laughs) (laughs) however the actual filmed ending of this i think is the best one you've got the african queen sunk upside down the torpedoes pointed to louisa who is still going in that direction the two are being married right as they're about to be hanged and the german captain says probably my favorite line of the last couple of weeks i now pronounce you man and wife Proceed with the execution in the same sentence. <laughs> That's like nice. And, you know, those Germans, they're so high on decorum that they, he grants the wedding, which right. a little helpful, helpful little IMDb note said, well, actually, this wedding wouldn't be valid because for some reason <laughs> or another. So it's like, come on, stop being a downer. Like if they died there, then it should be should be valid. But then they, so they, they right. end in the water like, I don't know which way we're going. Kenya, Kenya's that way. Let's go to Kenya, Ke- and we'll just be Kenya, happy. Kenya. 
So it's like, you know, it's that odd couple pairing you mentioned, but I, I do like the ending. I think it's, I think it's really good. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So with that in mind, why don't we turn to our three questions, Ethan? Sure, let's do it, Matt. Do we care about this film? I Ethan, guess. close that, close that creaky door. <laughs> I guess that you know, I feel the same way about this film that I feel about War Machine. I'm not, I don't feel worse off or really better off for having watched it. I think it is fine. Do we care about it? I don't not care about it, and I don't emphatically very much care about it. I am right in the middle, medium. There are some moments in this film that I think are unnecessary. They are just to try to show exoticism. I'm thinking specifically of the bug cloud episode where they stop on the bank and superimpose a lot of bugs on them. And then they have to like leave and she hides under a blanket. I don't don't like that because she shows her weakness a lot, which in a rose that I thought was very strong at this point in the film. Yeah. Who I think is redeemed by the fact that she's like, no, I'm crashing this boat. You dingus. This is my job. And he's like, oh, you're a yeah. woman. You shouldn't do that. And he's like, and she's like, uh, okay, well, you can come along because you know what you're doing. But I'm definitely doing this. this is my mission. So I thought that was really cool. But I didn't like the fact that they damsel her again at the end there. But yeah. there's also the leeches, which, as it turns out, they brought in a bunch of real leeches of the leech breeder. Oh. And Bogart got real freaked out about that. And so the only shot you see a real leech is that really close up of his chest, which is clearly not his. It is the leech breeder with a real leech on him in that case. So those were just scenes. I think they were just adding exoticism. They really were adding to the plot of the film, right? I would rather they run into the second Reich Germans some more. I almost said Nazis because we've been Indiana jonesing it up over here. But it's true. We have, I, I would have hoped that they would have cut some of those things beyond that though. I think it's a tight narrative and you know how much I value tight narrative. And I thought it had a really cool ending, and I thought the theme was was very feel-good, and it just hit me in a good spot, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a feel-good film, but I think the reason I'm having trouble with this question is because I don't... How is this any different than any other just nice, good, feel-good film? Well, what if we defer until we answer some of these other questions we have? Because I think my answer of why we care about this film is actually dependent upon these other two. Okay, let's do it then. So our next question is, what do we owe to this film? What do we owe to this film? We owe the Disney World African Safari Ride. Is that, is, that, is that a fact? That is a fact, actually. That This film was kept very much in mind on the, what's maybe it's not called, the, it's called the Jungle, the Jungle Cruise, the Jungle Cruise, which you will be visiting fairly soon. That's right. I will be heading there this winter. As a full-grown adult male with my wife and no one else. So we're just going to enjoy Disney World together. And I'll have to enjoy that now. The Jungle Cruise kind of sucks, though. Well, <laughs> listen. But you have you have to ride it because it's one of the one of the rides that Walt Disney had a direct hand in. So I think that's kind of the story of Disney World, as a slight digression, is that you just kind of yes. do all the things regardless of how they fail to appeal to your demographic because it's Disney World. And damn it, there's something special about being at Disney World. Yeah, sure. So what else we owe this film? I think we add a new wrinkle to this romantic comedy because it very much is romantic comedy. And yes, I talked definitely. a lot about action adventure with Indiana Jones last time we were here. But I think also the AFI is actually showing us a great deal of films that 
influence our modern understanding of the American romantic comedy, yeah. which is, you know, ubiquitous today. And so I see this as another formative thing because now we're in the, I think it's classified as romance adventure. This one is. Yeah. Yeah. And it is kind of a different take on some of the things we've seen. We can talk about bringing up baby, which another film Hepburn was in and also on the list, but that one is more screwball romantic comedy. This one is adventure romantic comedy. And so I think it just adds yeah. more complexity to that definition that we have today. That is I think you're wide right. because of these films. Yeah, I'm with you on that, 100%. So let's turn to our third and final question, Ethan. Does this film hold up? I'm going to give it a solid sure. I actually think the green screening was about just as good as it was in Indiana Jones. And these films yeah. are decades apart. In fact, yeah. they're three decades apart. I think those are pretty good. I think their model work of the African Queen was not super noticeable. No, I think I it think was that, done yeah, it was very well. well. I think the acting is good. I think it's maybe, I mean, that's something I was thinking about today. So different the way we think about good acting today that we did then. And certainly we'll think different of it in the future. So I think I'm already always accounting for that in my head. If I think about the everyday viewer when they watch this, are they going to be interested? I think it has enough there for them to be interested in it with this this nice plot I've talked about before. But I think some of the moment-to-moment stuff might get a little strange or boring for them at points. Yeah, I think it's a film that doesn't command your attention in the way that some of the other films on this list do and that some sort of a modern audience might have some trouble with. But yeah. So I've never been to Africa, Ethan, but I feel like the fact that they went to Africa for a lot of the filming of this probably said a lot to people in 1952. Yeah, I think so. We might be somewhat inundated with images of the grasslands and hippos and crocodiles, stuff like that. But I'm sure it was very novel at the time. So maybe that hasn't aged as well or as spectacularly as it might have been. Yeah, absolutely. The spectacle is, is less spectacular now because Yahoo's more african animals i can see that on the discovery channel so i think there is something we've been a little desensitized to to some you know that would have been a lot more interesting and a lot more exciting in the 50s but i think powerful story will always hold up and i think this has a decent story yeah and and i think it was the endings better in the film than the two books the way that they were described so i'm pretty pretty jazzed about that so i think really that's what cements it for me because it really sticks that final landing in a way that i'm happy about so maybe that's where I'm coming from with it. And and I would say this. I would say this about this film. It's fun. It's a it's a fun film, which is more than I can say for some of the films that we've seen uh, over the past year and a half. <laughs> well, certainly more than you could say about any other war film. This is technically a war film. You're right. It is technically a war film. So add it to the list, and we will list. add countless others to the list as we continue next time when we come back on AFI's Top 100 is ethan do you remember what the film is uh, on the afi yeah uh, um too bad i was buying time because i didn't know it is <laughs> 1976's network network yeah i've never heard of it i have never heard of this film either but then again i'd never heard of the african queen and i end up liking that one so hope for good things in two weeks we'll be back of course we'll be back next week for our patrons of the arts on patreon where we'll be watching Another Indiana Jones. Yeah, we got a little sequelitis. The Last Crusade. No more Crusades for Indiana Jones. No matter what anyone tells you, Indiana Jones ended there. That is the last Indiana Jones film, yes. 
And we also end here. Until next time, I've been Matt Mazzell. And I'm Catherine Hepburn. And there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Can we make them into torpedoes? I, that sounds nothing like Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> no, but I, it's endearing that you continue to believe that's what she sounds like. There Will Be Spoilers is hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced each week by Matt Bazell. Our artwork is by Becca Knight. You can find her on Twitter at Becca the Knight. Our great music was produced and created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can check him out all over the internet. You can always find us on Twitter at SpoilersCast. And you can find us on Patreon if you would like to support us for only $5 a month. Also at Patreon.com slash SpoilersCast. Our email continues to be SpoilersCast at gmail.com. So send us some complaints hate mail and maybe a compliment or two remember please subscribe to us on soundcloud itunes or stitcher and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on itunes it really helps thank you so much thank you howard i don't have to tell you things are bad everybody knows things are bad it's a depression everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job the dollar buys a nickel's worth Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. We're not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore.